By the way, I could hear Riley yelling about this episode in my brain. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I support that. This this episode took me a very long time to get through. I uh I have four pages of notes, which is uh an absurd amount for this episode, but I it took me about half an hour to get through the first ten minutes because I kept stopping to write down everything that Sue says. Yeah. Good. The, the the tack I think I'm going to take with taking notes for this podcast going forward is that I am going to watch a scene and then take and then pause it and take notes. Oh that's smart. Because I don't I don't know how much you've I don't know how much you are familiar with Tanner or I, but both of us are are overloading note takers. <laughs> I mean, I only took two pages of notes for this because th- th- I could only handle so much. I was trying to get through it as fast as I could after I realized yeah. what I was in for. <laughs> I I was in text edit. They don't count pages in text edit. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me everybody and welcome to loser like me this is a glee recap podcast where we for some reason decided that we were gonna watch through glee and make a podcast about it because if one of us suffers then all of us have to suffer (laughs) (laughs) i'm christina she her i'm tanner welcome to the podcast where our new tagline is we are going to inflict glee on our friends i mean (laughs) it's not inaccurate uh today we have a new friend Hello. Hey, what's your wait? Did you say your name, Tanner? Did I? I am I? Am you I did. Tanner? You. We can confirm that you are indeed Tanner. They them. I'm Tanner. They them. Uh, joining us today is a new friend. Yes. Uh, new, new, at least to our our experiences. And hopefully, we'll still be our friend after we finish talking about this episode. Well, I did watch this episode uh, three times, so I feel like three? I feel Why? like we, we have uh, trauma bonded for life. And I am Emily, also known as Panda Sheher. Why did you watch it three times, Emily? Well, first, I when I found out that Jake Mason came on this podcast, I said. I also need to come on this podcast. So I decided I would refresh myself on Glee. And I ended up watching Into Season 3 a few months ago. Oh my god. (laughs) Much to my wife's chagrin. And uh, then I watched it again last week because I remembered that this was coming up. And then I watched it today to take notes. (laughs) Holy cow. (laughs) I am braver than any U.S. Marine, and I have suffered like none other. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. okay. Well, so, so Emily. What? Go for it, Tanner. Emily, can you tell us your history with Glee, both the show and the extracurricular? 
I don't have very much history with Glee the extracurricular because my my school had like a choir but not like a Glee. It was not quite mm-hmm. a show choir. It was more just they would have like they would have concerts that they did but they didn't compete in anything. So yeah. and I was not a part of that. I had friends who were, but I just, that was not, I didn't do a lot of extracurriculars in high school, and that was just one that I was not interested in. But Glee, I watched for the first time because my sister was in theater, which is much closer Mm -hmm. to Glee. And she got into Glee when it started to come out, and she... I don't remember how this came about, but managed to get my mom and I to sit down and we binged like the first season of Glee because we oh rented my. it at Blockbuster. That's to oh date my. this this experience. Holy cow. Oh, that dates the show too. I know. <laughs> uh, but then several years later, uh, when I was in community college, I was not I like I had a lot of free time in between when I was working on homework and stuff so I was like why don't I why don't I decide to check this Glee show out this was Mm -hmm. it had not ended yet but it was like well into the later seasons I had no concept of where the show was at this point but it was on Netflix so I thought why (laughs) don't I fair neither did they (laughs) (laughs) I, I decided to check it out on Netflix and I over the course of several years ended up, I would, like, have little spurts where I would, like, watch a bunch of episodes and then I would just, like, kind of set it aside and go do something else. And then I eventually, after the show finished and was, the last season was put on Netflix, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> I'm gonna finish it. Uh, because I like to watch bad things for fun (laughs) well you've come to the right place (laughs) i decided to watch all of glee and i finished it and i mostly decided not to post on social media about it because nobody needed to know what i thought about glee in uh this was probably 2015 (laughs) uh so this is i was so excited by the prospect of getting to finally finally talk to people who also Give a shit is a strong word to say for Glee, (laughs) but who are doing a project that involves talking about Glee. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so here I am, here to talk about Madonna. Yeah. This is your lot in life that you have signed up for now. Yep. I mean, I guess. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. So, so this week... We are looking at Season 1, Episode 15, The Power of Madonna. Ryan Murphy is solely responsible for this episode that aired on the 20th of April, 2010. He sure is. Wait, hold up. April the 20th? Hey! I wish we had a- 420! Wish we had an air horn button. Hang on, do I still have the app? No, I got rid of my air horn app, darn. You can fix it in post. Yeah. Whoever's editing here, please put in an air horn. Darn, I like that one. It it had an air horn cover of Moonlight Sonata. Oh, that's incredible. (laughs) Oh, God, that's great. (laughs) Okay, dear diary. (sighs) Yeah. Do we think that Sue regularly keeps a diary? 
She, she dies a lot in the series, actually, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, I shudder to think what one would find in the diary of Sue Sylvester. Oh, wait. Um, before we do, like, actually what the episode is about, who wants to hear some Buck Wild, like, trivia? Oh, I want to hear this trivia. About how this episode came to be. Oh, the origin story, the secret origins yeah. of Madonna. Yeah. So, this episode is Glee's first tribute episode. It oh. as meaning it is only featuring music from one artist. And that artist is Madonna. And the only reason that it is solely featuring the music of Madonna is because Ryan Murphy had worked with her before and then apparently asked her and then she just gave him complete and total access to her entire catalog of music. Wowie zowie. <laughs> I would like to posit that this episode only exists because Ryan Murphy has like a creative boner for Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> also, he finally was able to just get carte blanche rights to everything. Yes, he was given, for the, for, for maybe the first time in the series, but certainly not the last, too much power. <laughs> um, this, and also I found on IMDb that Madonna and her daughter watched an advanced copy of the episode before it aired, and then she released a statement giving it her blessing. <laughs> <laughs> incredible um, i did not I, know this she said i thought the madonna episode of glee was brilliant on every level the dialogue and the entire script was genius oh um, that says more about madonna than anything else i'm gonna and, say <laughs> and then at the end it said ryan murphy did a great job bringing all these elements together my daughter lola loved the show too i wish i went to a high school like that if only <laughs> Oh. Mm. And also, this episode was responsible for two separate Emmy wins. <laughs> Are you serious? I am serious. Oh, wow. It it won an Emmy for Outstanding Sound Mixing, which, you know what? Merited. I'll give him that. It's a musical show. It should win that Emmy for something. Yeah. I think this is the episode that won Jane Lynch her primetime Emmy for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. Okay, you know what? Actually, both of these are fair, and I take back my snark. <laughs> Don't worry, it's you'll okay. find other There'll places be... to put the snark back in. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be more where that came from. Anyway, that's the trivia that we need to discuss before the episode actually gets discussed. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. This sure is an episode of Glee. I believe, Tanner, what was it that you said about this? That this was the most Glee per Glee of any episode so far? Yes. Yeah. I know it what sure I'd argue. Is. I'd argue because I'm looking at some trivia myself and it could have been even more so because apparently there is a plan to have Tina sing a mashup of Justify of My Love and Erotica, but it didn't make the final cut. Oh boy. Yeah. I have a there lot was- of words about Tina's subplot. <laughs> Jesse and Boko Drennan also almost performed Burning Up. <laughs> Which, that was recorded and released, though. Oh, yeah. It just didn't end up in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, apparently there was plans to do another Madonna episode in the second season, but obviously that didn't happen because they're busy doing 17 other tribute episodes. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Dear Diary? Uh, dear Diary. Mood apathetic. 
I'm so fucking horny for Madonna. Or Sue is, rather. No, let, let's be clear here. Ryan Murphy is, and he's just making Sue say the words. <laughs> the spirit has moved her. Yes. So. So she wants uh, Madonna to be played from the speakers at all times. And I feel like while she is telling Principal Figgins this, that uh, Iqbal Theba looks like he is trying not to laugh the entire time. And I don't blame him because yeah. Sue is in prime. She is in top form this episode. <laughs> yeah. Sue has decided that, you know what, for this week, everything is just going to be Madonna and I'm going to make this school become Madonna High School if I can help it. <laughs> so she's decided that Madonna's music must be blasted at all times, with one notable exception, throughout the entire <laughs> high school in order to inspire the students to become more like Madonna. Yeah. And uh, pre and Principal Figgins has to agree because she's still blackmailing him after taking suspicious pictures after roofying him. You know, like a normal person does. Yeah, I guess. <sighs> I really like, uh, you say the word and I will provide you with a list of students I think should be rounded up and shipped off with $35 in their pocket immediately. <laughs> Oh boy, that comes back in a big way at the end, and I have a thought about that <laughs> for when we get there. Uh, yeah. So Sue, um, yeah. Sue has also she's assembled the Cheerios at, to mm -hmm. form a cult of Madonna. WWMD. Yes. What would Madonna do? And apparently, what she would do is start dating younger men. So she tells that the freshman Cheerios that they better start checking the middle school. <laughs> yep. Which, and then she she also says, none of you have a last name anymore. What would Madonna do? Well, the answer to that question is usually date a younger man. They must think like Madonna, act like Madonna, only be referred to by their first names like Madonna. Yes. I found a chart of Madonna's boyfriends, and she's currently dating a guy who is 36 years younger than her. Oof. Woof. Probably younger than her daughter, too. We don't Woof. have time to unpack all of that. Becky is here, and so the scene is saved simply by her presence. Oh, she's great. I love her. I love her, too. <laughs> this is the only time she appears, as far as I can tell. But fun fact, she gets listed as a co-star in the credits. Nice. So good I for saw Lauren that! Good for her. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> Sue is like, everyone, you must become Madonna. It's like Madonna once said, I'm tough, I'm ambitious, and I know what I want, and if that makes me a bitch... Okay, I'm pretty sure she stole that line from one Sue Sylvester. No, seriously, <laughs> she stole that line from me. And it's like, okay, Sue. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's time for the Glee Club. We get brought into the scene with the Glee kids. Um, and it's just the girls hanging out. And we get to start by zooming in on this picture that Quinn is drawing. It's a very unflattering caricature of Rachel that's labeled <sighs> Rachel Berry Loser with hearts drawn around it. Bordering then, on anti-Semitic because yes. of the nose. Which oh, so, yes. so standardly. I, making Diana Agron draw that as an IRL Jewish person is, that's a yikes for me, dog. Yeah. God, literally anything that has to do with Judaism in this show is a yikes for me. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Blanket. I'd like to comment here 
that when I was checking the Glee wiki for trivia, it they have a note here that says, when Quinn is doodling Rachel, there are hearts around Rachel's name for some unknown reason. I just have a screen cap of that in my notes with written below it. Harold. <laughs> the berry shippers rise up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, r- the, the girls are all together and Rachel says, can I ask you a question? Yes, you should move says, to Israel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so bad. Uh I mean, yeah. it's very in character for Santana, but it's so bad. Yeah. And then Rachel says, okay, so let's talk about something extremely theoretical here. So, What if you went to a Wiggles concert? <laughs> yes. And then afterwards, you were kissing your partner, uh, but they, but you weren't ready to have sex, and they got upset. What if, heart as emoji, we went to the Wiggles concert, thinking emoji, and we held hands, heart emoji. <laughs> uwu? No, uwu. <laughs> my, my note here is, is this Spring Awakening? <laughs> <laughs> and then Quinn's comment is, this is making my baby sick. <laughs> And it's, uh, and we get to see in the background that Will Schuster, their teacher, is there, and he's really trying hard not to listen, but he's just terrified by what they're talking about. I'm very shocked that they are having this conversation while he is literally right there. They're not even trying to whisper. To be fair, he entered after Rachel did. Like, he entered in the middle of this conversation, and he was trying hard not to be perceived, and also they Mm -hmm. don't give a shit about him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this, so like, the girls tell Rachel that like she should just suck it up and deal with it because men are trash and just give them what they want. Um, yeah. But don't worry, that's <laughs> just, that's explicitly labeled as a bad mindset. Yeah, just never say no to sex. What's the worst that can happen? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Quinn. Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> we get. We get a flashback uh, to Tina and Artie, and Artie's like, I forgive you for faking your stutter, Tina, but now you must change everything about yourself to suit my needs, because you need to show skin, or something along those lines. You need to be sexier for me, Tina. And everyone's like, I, guys just don't care about girls' feelings, and Mercedes like, the last crush I had was on a gay guy. I was like, that's not especially relevant to the situation, but I feel scene. like this- I don't understand Artie in this flashback. This doesn't, I don't know, like, am I just misremembering? This doesn't really feel like it's that, it doesn't feel like something that he would necessarily do. Um, I would argue it's extremely in character for him, because if if you've been out of the loop for a long time with Glee, many people tend to forget that Artie really only had two, three character traits. Wheelchair, <laughs> sassy black woman, somehow, and he fucks. <laughs> I do yep. kind of remember that. I remember I just, that. I don't know. Maybe it felt a little drastic, but uh, this could be the the rose-colored glasses of the no. passage of time. Tanner, you forgot his fourth trait, AV club. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And all of this is then to say that Will interrupts them and he says excuse me are you having boy troubles and the, the, said, the whole will <laughs> sequence is like the one meme of of the guy doing the snapchat except will's going damn i just ran out about misogyny 
That shit sucks. <laughs> and that's not even the first time that happens in this episode. <laughs> or it, it is the first time, but it's not the last time. Yeah. Yeah. They they tell him they tell him, leave us alone. And he's like, Well then maybe you should talk to someone else in authority and they're like we already asked miss pillsbury and she said uh, she told us to go ask our moms and rachel says i have two gay dads or our rabbi rachel's like i don't think i'm comfortable discussing this with my with my rabbi and emma's like uh... and then uh, quinn makes a baby's first feminism quip about 70 yeah. cents to the dollar, and that attitude starts in high school. No, Quinn, that attitude starts in society. We live in a society. We still live in a society. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of living in a society, I guess, Will's, Will's talking to Emma about mm-hmm. how it's, it's an, it can be an issue and Will's like, I don't want to pressure you, but maybe you should learn about sex. Or so- she's not, basically Emma's not equipped to, to talk about sex, and she recognizes that that might be a failing in a school full of a bunch of like adolescent teens that need to start rubbing against the tree. Uh, um, they they I... they they do okay. The standout for this me for this scene was that they uh, mentioned Lindsay Lohan and Britney Spears in the same breath as Ann Coulter in the sense of bad role models. Yeah. The Britney Spears thing infuriates me. Yeah. Yeah. It's very of its time, but like... uh, I mean, it just throws me for such a loop because they they ended up doing multiple Britney Spears episodes. Britney was in the first Britney episode. For that matter, Lindsay Lohan showed up too. Yeah, I saw that later. My my notes here was that Emma was saying that teenage girls have role models to help them, like Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan, who she describes as something out of Lord of the Rings, which is, yikes. Um, but to be fair, she didn't say which character from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> um, and she also could then, mean Legolas. <laughs> she could mean Legolas. Yeah. <laughs> and... and yeah, and I don't know why they pulled out that Ann Coulter reference. Um, I'd also like to note here that Emma w- was restocking her her helping teenagers pamphlets, which now include "Help, I'm in love with my stepdad," and "I still breastfeed, but how old is too old?" Oh, I didn't even look at them. <laughs> it's okay. God. That's what I'm here for. Oh, incredible. Yeah how how is this scene? How is Will offering to help her not supposed to be a proposition for sex? I think he was more so saying, I don't want to pressure you, but if at any point you're ready, you know that I am willing and able. <sighs> Love is an open door. <laughs> oh my god, thank god they didn't cover that. All, th- all this is to say that, blessedly... Will then leaves after off, after telling Emma that she should learn more about sex, and he hears Madonna's ray of light coming from Cheerios practice, and he enters to find what I have in my notes here as Cirque de Sue. <laughs> oh, that is good. <laughs> they're, they're still dancing. Yep. I love this number. Love the stilts. Love everything about it. Even though Sue calls them sloppy freak show babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without even turning around, she then says, 
Hey, William! I thought I smelled cookies wafting from the ovens of little elves that live in your hair. That's good. It is such a good line. It's very good. Yeah, and all this is to say that he actually, like, tells Sue, like, this is impressive! And this is the point in my notes where I had, oh no, is this the episode where Sue does Vogue? It is. It sure is. Yeah, I found out that it is. They, uh, she talks about how Madonna empowers her, and she specifically says to Will, just like your hairdresser has empowered you to look absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) She's not wrong. We also get uh, another one of Sue's patented, uh, you think this is hard lines, and in this instance, it is, you think this is hard, I'm passing a gallstone as we speak. That's hard. (laughs) I want a Twitter bot that just, like, produces those several times a day. Oh, I'm sure there is one. I I would go out of my way to learn how to make Twitter bots so I could create the the Sue Sylvester line generator. Please, someone point me in the direction of the Sue Sylvester Twitter bots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm sure they're out there somewhere. And it's better than following Jane Lynch. (sighs) (sighs) Yeah. 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 So, Madonna... Yeah. Madonna. She's a Hall of Fame MILF. Yes. Genius. Icon. Hall of Fame MILF. Guess which one was said by Puck? I just can't tell. (laughs) Anyway, Will Will tells them this week, because we are hashtag sponsored by Madonna, you have to come up with a Madonna number for us to perform. And And despite being totally fucking awful, Puck is like, as a dude, Madonna makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. See, my notes here are Finn, Puck, and Artie are too heterosexual for this, and they want to do Pantera instead. The guy version of Madonna, Pantera. I don't know Pantera, so I don't know if that comparison is, like, appropriate or not. I don't either. I'm I'm pretty sure- I think they're heavy metal? I'm looking them up on TV Tropes. I know it's like a metal-leaning rock sort of band, but I don't know if I could classify them as... I don't even know what the guy version of Madonna would mean, so I feel like it's impossible to quantify. I don't know. Apparently their signature song is called Walk, and it is played over to the PA at sports events. Okay. You'd probably recognize Walk if you heard it. That's at least literally the one song that I know. Okay. Their influences include Anthrax, Black Sabbath, Black Flag, Dark Throne, Exodus, Hellhammer, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Kiss, Megadeth, Metallica, Mode Your Head, St. Vita, Saxon, Slayer, Ted Nugent, Van Halen, Venom, and ZZ Top. I'm not convinced that you didn't make up some of those. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> you, you could have made up like five bands in there and I would have no idea. <laughs> Anyway, this is all to say that Will tells the boys, you're being disrespectful, you're bullying, sexist, and I hate to say it, misogynistic. Which leads to another glorious gem of a Britney line. When I pulled my hamstring, I went to a misogynist. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love her so <sighs> much. Oh, she's so good. She's so good. This is another episode where Heather Morris deserves a writing credit. Um, and then Will talks about how Madonna's music is about, it's about empowering and loving yourself and expressing yourself. And more than anything, Madonna's musical message is about equality. And then as I watched this episode, I flash back to Madonna's COVID PSA, 
where she broadcast live oh, no. from her bathtub full of rose petals, she announced that COVID is the great equalizer. And I almost launched my laptop across the room. Oh my god. Oh no, it's so bad you went British. <laughs> Jeez. See, my note here is just... <sighs> oh, and then Puck, says, then Puck says, actually, I just don't think it translates to show choir. Yeah, oh, wait, <laughs> hold, hold up. First, first we had to have Kurt saying... Mr. Shu, can Mercedes and I do a multimedia project for our Madonna song? And he says, sure, you're showing initiative. And they're like, yes, our plan is beginning. <laughs> uh, Rachel disagrees with Puck's assertion that Madonna does not translate to show choir. Uh, one, because it's Rachel. And two, because mm -hmm. Puck, what do you even actually know about show choir even at this point? So they break out into express uh, yourself. Yeah, the Rachel like jumps down into the front and after telling the jazz band like what to what to play and then she like calls all the girls down to join them on on the stage and then it literally like jumps into express yourself. Um my note here was just they're in color-coded outfits but with pants. <laughs> I love these outfits so much. They all look so good. It's so good. Diana Agron looks like a young Gillian Anderson. A hundred percent. I guess uh, I could see that. I have a note here that says, oh yeah, Matt is here because they cut to him a couple times in the audience just to remind you that mm -hmm. he's in the show. When I started by rewatching yeah. the show, I forgot that Matt was a character in the show at all. Yeah. So do the writers. Arguably, he was not a character in the show. Yeah. Character is being very generous. Yeah. It... Question here. Were they literally just, like, doing the choreography from the music video? I haven't seen it, but I feel like they are because Kurt was dancing along with them. I also have not seen it, so I can't really, uh... I don't know either, but that would okay. track. Okay. I, I only have a few more notes about this, which is that, um, first off, I appreciate that, like, the music, the parts where who's singing lead are pretty evenly distributed between all of them. I think only Britney doesn't have a lead in Express Yourself, but if that's not something that she wanted, I'm okay with that. <laughs> they look like they're having fun, and I like it. Yeah. Yeah, except for the boys who are all just sitting there resentful and probably oh, also I horny. The girls. I don't, I don't <laughs> care about what the boys are thinking. Yeah, but it's it's a good music number, and Will and Kurt appreciate them, and everyone else is like, "Yay!" The boys haven't undergone their character arc yet. Not that they get one for this episode. <laughs> okay, who wants to talk about the next scene? I I will volunteer as tribute. <laughs> thank you. I <laughs> thank thank you for your sacrifice, Emily. Uh, Brittany and Santana are talking about the about Sue's younger man challenge, and Brittany looks really cute in the scene. She's got like her hair in like a I don't know. I guess this is I'm, I like Madonna music, but I'm not super versed in her, so I don't know what is a reference and what is just like uh, general glee madness. But uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that costume wise, everything in this episode is a reference to Madonna. I yeah, oh, yeah, that was definitely the the feel that I got. And Brittany's hair is done up real cute. 
Santana says that she needs a younger, inferior man. So Brittany suggests Finn because his birthday is, and I checked, I rewound to check that she says this right, three Mm -hmm. days before Santana. So that would make him older than her, but this is Brittany, bless. This is Brittany. Plus they're both gay, they can't do math. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, She says the way to get a man to follow you forever is to take his virginity. Madonna, like, wrote a song about it. Yeah. So Santana finds Finn and uh, says it will just be her this time. Were you, uh, were you going to say something? Oh, yeah, I was gonna, I was going to contribute something to the what's in their locker segment. Ooh, please. <laughs> um, so Santana's locker features a flyer of some kind or a sign that says, best pizza in town. Um, some kind of a postcard, a mirror, and a couple of cutouts of something that's either architecture or an ice cream cone. Interesting. And and Brittany's locker has also a mirror, but also a clip out of some kind of either news or magazine article. Um, picture of the sky. What color is the sky? Um, beads, some kind of Hollywood postcard pictures and some kind of handwritten note that i imagine is probably from santana oh that's cute but yeah uh, so that was what's in their locker santana propositions finn and she calls him finn <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> S- says that uh unlike last time it will just be uh her and not her and Brittany, and it's time for him to lose his virginity <laughs> Because not having had sex is a social death sentence. And this is the first point at which I just about yeeted my laptop. (laughs) (laughs) It's real bad, dude. It's real bad. I Uh, mean, I I got the sense that that wasn't... Again, you're supposed to take that as a a bad lesson. Sure. But that doesn't mean I can't be upset about it. (laughs) But I think that was the intended reaction. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, she uh, also reveals that uh, Rachel is definitely dating Jesse. Uh, mm-hmm. Quote, she talked about him yesterday and practically sprayed the choir room. She's like a cat in heat. <sighs> but uh, having sex with Santana will be win-win. And she, <laughs> Finn is like, what? How is this a win-win? And she says, uh, I mean, for me, okay? It's a win-win for me. Yeah. I love Santana. She's horrible, but I love her. <laughs> yeah, Santana's an icon. That's It's hard for me to fault her for much. My my two notes here are, Finn tries to turn Santana down because, and I directly quote here, I have feelings for someone else and I'm trying to work things out with them. So A plus use for Finn being emotionally intelligent and also using gender neutral pronouns even though he's straight <laughs> uh, um, oh the the halcyon days where the finn current shippers were like at least there's still a way we can win oh boy yeah my other note here is this feels like sexual exploitation yeah B- but wrong. again it's it's supposed to be kind of iffy yeah so Sue meets Emma in her office. This is where we find out the one exception to the place where Madonna is not playing through the school. Um, because it turns out that Sue disconnected Emma's loudspeaker 
so Emma would not be able to hear Madonna because Sue deems Emma unworthy of listening to Madonna because she is sexless and doesn't deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) By which I mean doesn't deserve to listen to Madonna's music. She does not deserve the power of Madonna. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Again, it's it's real nasty, but you're supposed to see it as real nasty. So I'm... It's not like I'm giving it a pass, but... I accept that the urge to throw the laptop was intentional this time. Yeah. Thankfully, then, we're done for the... We're done with that episode and we get to go do something else. We're actually back immediately back with Rachel. Yep. Uh, she's here to tell Finn that she is... Because Finn is trying to flirt with her and she tells him that she really is back with Jesse again. Uh, but please he... don't tell the club because it's really important to her. He literally said he literally asks her if she is still dating Jesse and she says no and he says I can't believe you would lie to me and then in point 1 millisecond she says yes okay we are dating and he's like unbelievable <laughs> and that's that's evidence for the fact that Finn's wisdom is higher than his intelligence <laughs> yeah and and he does tell her like he won't rat her out to the rest of the club even though it's pretty obvious anyways. Yeah. But also don't like, basically he gives her a don't, don't say I didn't warn you speech. Like don't, don't expect any more friendship in case he breaks your heart. Yeah. Or it backfires yeah. on the team. But, uh, Rachel wants to do a Madonna mashup with Finn to, uh, boost morale in the team. A mash Donna, if you will. <laughs> a a madoshop. <laughs> Uh, God, there's no way to put that. Every one of those is so close to working. (sighs) So they do the mashup. Finn is playing the drums? Does he normally play the drums? Yes, that's one of his character traits. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The mashup- He has proficiency in drums. the, The mashup is specifically borderline with Open Your Heart, which is like a good mashup, I think. It's a good pairing of songs. Sonically, it's very good. It it does amuse me because the song pairing Open Your Heart is about you saying, please love me, and Borderline is saying, this is too much, please get away from me. The uh, Glee patented two characters who definitely don't have feelings for each other singing love songs while staring into each other's eyes. Yes, and as they dance through the hallways and they dance through the library... There's a there's a point where Rachel is on like the opposite side of like a pillar from Finn, and he, she kind of like looks back coyly. And I thought that since since Cory Monteith is so tall, I thought his arms were going to wrap around the entire pillar to touch Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they dance down the hallway, um, there's no there's no wind machine like there was in No Air, but there, mm-hmm. that's been replaced with a bunch of like extras dressed as Madonna. I guess they're Cheerios? <laughs> I guess they're doing Madonna cosplay. Yeah. Um, and there is a point where, when they're in the library, Finn is just, like, pulling books off the shelves en masse. He's committing like, library is- crimes! <laughs> He's a monster! How dare he? Someone's gonna have to clean that up. Yeah. Fun fact, when my mom used to work at a bar uh, during the after hours, she would dance on top of the bar to Borderline. Incredible. Your mom's Your an mom icon. Is, she is an incredibly powerful person, Tanner. I, I did get her permission to state that. 
Well, thank you, Mrs. Bogelsang. I know you're probably not listening to this, but thank you. <laughs> My other note for this is that when they get back to the choir room after having ransacked the library and, you know, completely ignored all of the extras dressed as Madonnas. Madonna? Madonnas. <laughs> Madonna um, is its own plural. Okay. Okay. But yeah, when they get back to the choir room, they like, they chase each other around the piano and in circles around the piano. And at least Brad's having a good time here. <laughs> <laughs> and when when they finish singing the final note, they both like, they stop and they stare at each other and they breathe heavily from having run circles into the flooring around the piano. And then they're like, <gasps> run away. <laughs> Oh no, we've caught feelings. <laughs> so, after a commercial break, we see Kurt talking to Mercedes in front of his locker, and he says that he might start Kabbalah, and this was when I had to pause the episode and take a walk around the room, because that was too much. Oh, I forgot about that line. I didn't even write it down. It's, I don't know exactly what the context was for it, but I know that it's egregious. <laughs> it, it, it was definitely, like, it, I'm almost certain it was an ad-libbed line. Because, like, it's right after the commercial break, and it's clearly just something, so that Kurt is saying something. Yeah. This is all to say that Kurt is excited about their video, and he says, It's going to be magical when Will shows up and asks how it's going. It's like, magical. You know, like, like, Madge. Manana's nickname? And he's doing, like, the hand wave the entire time. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, Sue shows up. Yep. <laughs> she confronts Will about Glee doing Madonna, and uh, they have a little uh, a little back and forth, a little tit for tat. Sue says, I will not be copied. It's in my contract. <laughs> yeah. Will tells Sue that she looks like Florence Henderson, which she does, uh, but this yeah. devastates yeah. her self-esteem. Yeah. Will, Will says, Sue, you can't copyright Madonna. She's public domain. But she's not. Motherfucker, that's means. not what public domain means. Will words no, mean things. Do you think that matters to Will Schuster, a white man? Well, as we well, all know, <laughs> Will is uh, McKinley's best and most learned teacher. If Will thinks Madonna's in the public domain, does that mean that he is illegally performing Madonna numbers? Probably yes. <laughs> the The next Glee performance at a competition will be shut down by lawyers appearing for copyright reasons. <sighs> anyway, this is all to say that um, Sue, being devastated by Will's insults about Florence Henderson and a Floby, um, she storms off and physically assaults several students as she runs sure away. Was. I missed that because I was busy looking up what a Floby was. Yeah. And also, this during this whole confrontation, Mercedes and Kurt were stuck in the background and they were like, oh my god, what is going on here? And they just, they could not leave the scene because they were being blocked by their teacher and their teacher's nemesis. Glee Club alert, the girls are fighting! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, if that happened nowadays, that is exactly what would be going in the group text. <laughs> uh, Finn decides to take Santana up on her offer. After he does, like, the eyebrow lick thing. 
<laughs> I don't I, I don't know what it's called, but it's the thing where you like where you like smooth out your eyebrows. <laughs> oh, he he does he does the the finger licks the pointer and the pinky and does the. <laughs> we can't articulate it, but y'all know what we're talking about. Yes. And he's like, yes, I would like to have sex with you, Santana. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes and Kurt decide to go figure out what's wrong with Sue. Because, again, they were trapped in that scene and had no choice but to uh, witness how devastated she was by Will Schuster's, uh pretty mild jabs. <laughs> Yeah. And this is when she tells them, I raised my handy-capable sister since my parents were Nazi hunters. My parents because- were famous Nazi hunters, so they weren't around a lot. As You know, it's, as opposed it's, it's- to amateur Nazi hunters. <laughs> okay, is handy-capable the right term to describe her sister? I don't feel like it is. It, it I- is not. It was one of those words that was in vogue at a certain point, but it was definitely one of the words that the abled people decided was best for uh, disabled people, which is why we now call them disabled, because disabled people say, hey, please just call us disabled. It it was yeah. seen as probably well-intentioned at the time, but uh, it is not a word that people use anymore, and probably okay. shouldn't have used just because, like, Again, I it it wasn't something that handicapped people decided was the word they wanted to use. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I'm okay. not sure the That's specifics of why, but it definitely has a condescending mouthfeel. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, when when she and her sister were little, they tried to they tried to dye Sue's hair after uh some movie called Blue, True Blue or something came out, and now Sue has hair envy of she, Will. She di- They dyed her hair with um, ammonia and napalm. Anything they could find <sighs> around the house. Oh yeah, just normal, normal everyday household supplies. Well, when your parents are famous Nazi hunters. True. Oh, I, I, True Blue is a Madonna album that came out in 1986, and uh, Mercedes rightly points out that this would make uh, Sue, like, 30. And she says, 29. Anyway, Tanner, do you want to t- say this line that I think probably aggravated you even more than it aggravated me? <laughs> you know, it, it didn't... It didn't aggravate me because it wasn't entirely false. But it does... It, it is, once again, one of those lines where you do a little side-eye because it's coming out of glee. Yeah... Um, because Kurt says, Mercedes is black, I'm gay, we make culture. Wasn't this, like, a big, like, quote in Glee fandom? Probably, I feel like yes. I remember seeing this. Yeah, know, I probably, wasn't... <laughs> in, in a fandom that is, consists mostly of straight white girls, probably. I, I wasn't, like, in Glee fandom, but I feel like I remember seeing this, uh, as, like, a, a yeah. thing people said. So he- here's how I feel about this line. Um, maybe maybe it wasn't as true at the time, but definitely these days, yeah, most popular culture is coming from black spaces and queer spaces. Well, okay, Which then be, gets appropriated by the white cis people. Yeah, actually, and to be 100% honest, usually it's created in black spaces and then appropriated by the queer spaces and then appropriated by the cis spaces. Yeah. Yep. Which is just society. <laughs> yep. Um, so, it, 
I think that's why I don't get so aggravated because like th this isn't a line that incensed me. This is a line that made me go. I was having deep thoughts about the nature of reality. <laughs> it's kind of, it's a moment of uh, the worst person you know just made a good point. Yeah. yeah. See, maybe that's another thing that if they did Glee to gay, or maybe that that should be that would be something that's more like thrown in. E someone's excuse face. me, Tanner. If they did Glee to gay. <laughs> <laughs> Check the files, that's what literally came out of your mouth. <laughs> if they did Glee here, now. Here, in Tanner's room. <laughs> right here, right now. Um, that's the kind of line that would be, like, thrown in someone's face because they're doing something appropriative. But, but in the context of the episode, it's just like, me and Mercedes are sassy enough that we have created the concept of fashion itself. And we are going to manifest an entire music video homage around you. But can we borrow the Cheerios? Yeah. Anyway, it's time for Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> because Rachel walks into the darkened library and a book falls off the shelf in front of her and she picks it up and she's like, ah, it's Sondheim. Jesse? And she looks around the darkened theater and then he emerges from the space between books and the bookshelf like... She looks through and she sees his face and it's half shadowed. And I'm like, is this ghost? <laughs> I love seeing little baby Jonathan Groff. He's so young and so not King George in Hamilton yet. <laughs> he, he, he's he's trying to do a smolder, but it comes off like a Kubrick stare. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair. Trying to go for Smolder and ending up with Kubrick is what a teenage boy would do. It's oddly prescient for the Mindhunter boy. Oh, is he in Mindhunter? I haven't seen that. He's the lead of Mindhunter. Hey, Christina, uh, do you want to but... watch Mindhunter for a bonus episode? Um, how much are you willing to pay me? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's how we can get Lindsay on the show. There you go. <laughs> Quick, put it in the dock. <laughs> I'll send her a text. Hey, Lindsay, do you want to watch Mindhunter together in five years? <laughs> uh, anyway, the this is all to say that Jesse, heavy air quotes here, apologizes because, for well, trying. He, he tried. <laughs> only in the Sondheim biography section could he properly express his melancholia about how cruel he was to Rachel. Yeah, he he basically says, I'm sorry that I was trying to pressure you into having sex and for not giving you <gasps> epic romance. I'm willing to wait. Tell me when you're ready. She was going to say no, but uh, Jessie's schmoozing kind of changes her mind. But also when she hugs him, she seems unsure still. That yeah. I certainly was schmoozing. I thought Jesse was being legit. I I mean, what it's I'm, hard to say about Jesse's intentions because of like because of the fact that I literally not two episodes ago, maybe it was even last episode, referred to him as Jesse Saint Honeypot. Yeah, 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 he was the Honeypot last week, and I think it's uh, it's definitely a few episodes now where. I'm not going to say spoilers anymore because we've mentioned it so many times. But we all know that Jesse is entrapping Rachel to, as a, a reverse parent trap plot. Yes. 
he every time I see him and just like you're an evil little man because you are even though I don't like Rachel Rachel is maybe my least favorite character in all of fiction ever and <laughs> I I know and I I understand that that is strong and I thought maybe this might have just been some internalized misogyny left over from high school but when I revisited Glee I can confirm that no I do I do just hate her that's valid. Yeah, but I still club. don't think she deserves to be, uh, I don't think she deserves to be the focus of this whole weird plot with Jesse. Entrapment? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah she, no. She doesn't deserve to be manipulated, but this, uh, it's not manipulation, but this manipulation, it's, it's not the same kind of manipulation that Santana is doing to Finn, because this yeah. is... Th- this is, I, I, I believe that Jesse is being honest when he says, I'll wait as long as you want to, because I care about you. And yes, there's a, there's obviously in the back of my mind, I'm saying, well, he's obviously doing this to keep her from getting scared off because we need to do the, the, the crimes, <laughs> the glee crimes, <laughs> the glee crimes, but, but, but it, it is still him knowing that he has to care about her in order to succeed at the glee crimes. And this is the first step in him coming to care for her legitimately later on down the line. And yeah. not not to give too much away, but there's more evidence that he like legitimately respects her through the episode as well. Am I the Jesse okay. Defender? Yes. Did you just okay. become the Jesse Defender? I think I'm the Jesse Defender. Uh, before we leave this scene, Jesse does also tell Rachel that when she's ready, he will be fastidiously groomed. Yep. He's got a manscape. Oh my god. Which brings us to this week's sponsor. I can't Which remember. is? I, I can't remember. I, I can't remember what it is. Dollar Shave Club? There, there it is. Razors. Thank you. Dollar Shave Club. Just uh, slice the hair right off your balls. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't have a good way to sing out of that. <laughs> um, hey, that cat Emma- looks amazing. I think that's what Will says. Hmm? There, we we go to stairs and Will says something to a student, but I have no idea what. Oh, it was like, "Hey, that catch was amazing," or something. Oh, he catch. makes a sports comment. It's a sports reference. Ah. Yes, and and then Emma finds him on the stairs and she tells him, "I need to take control of myself and my body, and so we are going to have sex tonight." She's like, Poor "Will, you want be- some fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, she says, four plays shall begin at 7.30 sharp. And my questionnaire is, is Will into bossy Emma? Probably. <laughs> is Will a simp? Yes. I don't have but any he, notes about this scene because it just sort of yeah. happens and then we yeah. go on to the Vogue video. He does the little, like, the little, like, fist pump, like, yes! God. Which I'm like, William. I hate it. Um... You're very right. Th- th- that is the whole scene. Th- th- this episode just goes and goes and goes. <laughs> it does not stop to breathe. Yup. Anyway, time for Vogue. Okay, so disclaimer. The concept of voguing was uh, uh, popularized and created and founded by the Afro-Latino gay and trans community in Harlem neighborhoods in New York mm-hmm. and was completely stolen by Madonna. Uh, so yep. Everyone check out Paris is Burning. Yeah. Yes. And for for that matter, I guess we could check out Pose. Yeah, I haven't watched it, but I hear good things. I haven't watched it either. Pose from uh, um, television wonderkind Ryan Murphy. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Time is a flat circle. 
It's Ryan Murphy all the way down. Oh no, don't tell me that. See, see that's why I say th- the existence of Pose implies that Ryan Murphy is doing something right. Is he? I think he's atoning for his sins. <laughs> <laughs> I, How I, many I, of them? I at least a few of them from Glee for sure. But I don't think I don't think there's enough time in the world for Ryan Murphy to atone for all of his crimes. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, I do like the Vogue music video. It's really good. I would argue that it is not that great. I like it. Yeah. I think it's some piss poor voguing, except coincidentally from the two black Cheerios in there. Yeah. Well, that's fair. The voguing is not very good, but I like uh, I like the costumes. I like yeah. uh, I like Sue's performance. I like all the different hairstyles they try out on her. This uh, is Sue's first song, like her fir- yeah first mm-hmm. time singing her first period performance. Yeah, and for the longest time, I thought that it was like I didn't realize it was Sue. I thought they were just playing the Madonna song and she was lip syncing because I didn't realize she oh. could sing. When I say longest time, I mean like a few months after the episode aired. Um, sure. But, but then I, I rubbed two brain cells together and realized that that couldn't be the case because <laughs> the, in one of the, in the, se- in the sequence where the lyrics list a bunch of fashionable people, um, <laughs> the, there is Lauren, Catherine, Lana too, Will Schuster, I, I hate, hate you. you. I still sing that whenever I hear Vogue on the radio. <laughs> yeah, me too. And then, and then Kurt does like a concerned aside glance. I do like uh, Mercedes and Kurt's kind of like reactions to Sue because they are definitely performing, but they also keep getting caught off guard by her just being Sue. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm truthfully a little bit more so-so on this because I appreciate the involvement of different people like Mike, Kurt, Sue, Brittany, Wait, Mike and Mercedes. Yeah. I didn't see I'm him at all. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he was. I feel like I would have noticed. I don't... I I feel like he was involved simply because I don't think Harry Shum Jr. would have sat this one out on purpose. <laughs> That's fair. Um, But I'm glad that we got to see stuff from more of the Glee kids, but I feel like trying to do a shot-for-shot remake of Vogue is lazy. Oh, for sure. I just... I love... it. All feelings This about- happened because Brian Murphy wanted it to happen. Ryan Murphy said, I want to recreate Vogue! All feelings about Jane Lynch aside, I just love a Sue number. Like, she just always brings a certain energy to her uh, vocal performances, and it's just fun to get her- to watch her also get to sing. Yeah, I guess I can go with that. Mm -hmm. But uh, I hate this episode for making me watch three uh, male-female couples getting ready to bone while singing like a virgin. (sighs) See, this is is the part- Time for fuck! (laughs) Yep. Local heterophobe signing on. (laughs) (laughs) This is where we cut to Rachel's bathroom. She is curling her hair and she is wearing what my notes call a sex cape. (laughs) 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 Which is- which is the cape that she wears while she prepares to have sex. <laughs> and it's, this is like, oh, this is, okay, this is such a weird scene. Do you mind if I run through this real quick? Let's do it. Please. Okay, so this is three separate couples getting ready to have sex. Rachel and Jesse, Emma and, Emma and Will, and Finn and Santana. In all three, the girls are all wearing lilac, and the guys are all in some kind of gray outfit. 
it is very strange because they are doing the same choreography um and everyone involved is singing except for the fact that they're giving precedence to leah michelle and um jonathan groff's vocals which is weird to see when the visuals are not focusing on them and also there is a literal red light in santan and fence room and i do not like that (laughs) Um, they definitely went to a sketchy motel. Yeah, they definitely went to a sketchy motel. And my my note here is, I'm dissociating during this. I'm even more uncomfortable watching this now than I was when I watched it for the first time in high school. Yeah, as much as I as much as I watched this episode in preparation, every time this scene happened, I sort of couldn't even look directly at the TV. Yeah, and then it's okay, everyone, because oops, it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> every every literature and writing professor's favorite tactic it was all a dream um i have some notes on this scene please go for it i okay. am done first off i can't stop thinking about shrek what <laughs> i also i also need you to know that i thought the exact same thing the moment the song started so i'm glad yes. i was the what? only person who went there I'm, I'm reaching out through the computer screen to grab your hand in solidarity. The it they use uh part of like a virgin in the uh like the end song in the first Shrek movie. It starts off with like the I made it through the wilderness part, and then very shortly afterwards, uh, transitions into a different song before they have to acknowledge the fact that it is a children's movie using like a virgin <laughs> um okay okay christina do you remember in trek 2 yeah. when they had far far away idol yes vividly Th- that that is an escalation to a bonus from the first trek movie where they had like a karaoke night with all the characters and so shrek sings don't go change into try and please me and then fiona <laughs> sings like a virgin and then i don't know who comes after that i have a vague awareness of that I, rem- I do remember that Lord Farquaad sings staying alive from inside Dragon's like stomach. He sure I do does. That. <laughs> My next note is uh, that Jesse is wearing shoes on the bed, and I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, like the, like when Rachel like exits the bathroom, she exits her washroom to look sultry at Jesse, and Jesse had just been laying on the bed, and so you see a full body shot of him, and he's like still fully clothed, including his like bad boy Glee Club boots. Oh no! Disgusting! Thank God this was just a dream sequence. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my last note is, so, so there, there's a move in the choreography where, like, the guys, they dip the girls while they're kind of straddling them and just do a kind of swing around the bed. Yeah. And here's the issue, is that in Rachel's room, in that, on that set, she has these big bedposts going up to the ceiling, and there, I guarantee there is a take where, <laughs> where Jonathan Groff swings Leah and she just smacks her head <laughs> into one of those bedposts. <laughs> Oh, God, I'd love to see the bloopers from this sequence. How many times do you think any of them fell off the bed? Oh, probably lots. <laughs> I have a fun trivia note here. In the Behind the Glee for this episode, Jayma Mays described the Like a Virgin scene as more than hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is the sexiest fucking musical number I've ever been in. 
we don't have time to unpack all of that. <laughs> no. So, so anyway. we, we do cut to the next day. Thank God. Uh, Mercedes and Kurt are talking about, ooh, I wonder which Madonna look Sue is going to be using today. Uh, but it turns out she's still just in Florence Henderson tracksuit mode. Yeah, and she says, I have decided not to reinvent myself because I am already original and iconic enough as it is. And then it turns out that um, she wore a comb bra over her tracksuit to <laughs> try and persuade Figgins to ship the entirety of the privileged misfits to New York City with $35 each. And it didn't work. And my note here was... It's okay, Sue. Just wait for the end of the second season? Second season, third season. They get real horny. Yeah. Actually, honestly, beginning of the second season, they're real horny for New York. Yeah, like, literally just wait, like, less than ten episodes, Sue. Your wish will come true. And also, she said, here are 13 kids. So I'm assuming that that list is all 12 Glee kids and also Jacob and Israel. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> <sighs> I assumed it was Will Schuster, but uh, I like yours better. <laughs> no, she needs to be around to witness Will's defeat. Oh, yes, you're right. But yeah, Figgins gives her a pep talk, basically. <sighs> Dang it, Figgins. This is another moment where uh, he is definitely trying not to laugh because she has on this ridiculous cone bra. I really love Iqbal Theba. He's also in Community as Abed's oh, dad. Yeah. And he's oh, yeah. just so, he's so good in this show. He's so good anytime I've ever seen him pop up in anything. <sighs> the, 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 honestly, the only thing I don't like about Figgins is that my favorite Figgins moment, I have to wait until the last season. <laughs> <laughs> well that's ryan murphy's fault <laughs> um but yeah figgins says sue you're a powerful woman you don't need to copy anyone else you're an original just like madonna don't lose that quality and to which sue says do you mean that or are you just saying that because i poked a couple of kids eyes out before second period today <laughs> back to the glee room the choir room. back to the students so no head <laughs> So Finn and Rachel are, are talking about their, um, their dates. They both lie for, in different ways. Rachel lies about having sex. Finn lies about not having sex. Yeah. It turns out that Rachel and Jesse did not have sex because she got really anxious about it. And Jesse said, just come out so we can talk or sing about it. So good. <laughs> and and then it turns out that she doesn't want to have sex with them yet because she doesn't want to sleep with the enemy and betray her friends and betray herself. And Jesse has understanding. I will give him one point. <laughs> We're on the board, Jesse. <laughs> For how long? <laughs> <laughs> Three episodes. Uh back to uh Finn and Santana. Uh, Finn thought that he would feel different after, implying that they are the only ones that actually had sex. And mm -hmm. Santana says, I've noticed it takes about 20 or so times before the feeling of accomplishment kicks in. Hmm. Let's unpack this, Santana. Don't love that line. No, she, w she won't unpack it for another, at least another half a season or season. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it was foreshadowing because I probably didn't think that far ahead. No. But it definitely works as foreshadowing. Oh, yes, it absolutely yes. does. This episode makes me think a lot about, like, Santana and uh, compulsory heterosexuality. And this is, like, mm-hmm. I, I that seems like... Um, it seems too smart of an idea for something to be that something Ryan Murphy came up with, but that doesn't mean that I cannot insert it into my feelings about Santana and her uh, arc across the show, Glee. Mm-hmm. That's valid. I also like that this this scene kind of humanizes her a little bit because she does ask Finn, like, you know, how he's feeling, and uh, he says that he doesn't he it, he doesn't feel anything because it didn't mean anything. And Santana wants a burger. I'd like to note before we leave the scene that when they finish their conversation and Rachel and Finn part ways in the background, I think I think Puck is playing the ninja game with the boys. <laughs> I was like, what are they doing? He he really quickly like whips his hand up in a blade like motion, and I'm like, I think they're playing the ninja game. If this were several years later, I would assume that he was dabbing. <laughs> Glee never got to dabbing. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God we never had to see a Glee water bottle flip. (laughs) (laughs) Adding that to my notes. (laughs) (laughs) This'll go in the fanfic. (laughs) Okay, we're almost there, y'all. We're almost there. Actually, no, wait, hold up. No, we're not almost there. We, 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 We are almost there. It's just that the set pieces to get through seem very large. But you have to realize that about half of this episode is musical numbers. Yeah. Because the next scene is Emma coming to meet Will in his office. And it turns out that they also did not have sex because she got freaked out and then ran out out of his apartment without her shoes. (laughs) Which is like, oh, Cinderella. Did you save them? Those are my favorite. Yes. And... They they agree that they are not going to date until his divorce is finalized, which he filed for that very same day, as in the day that they're talking about it. And also, he did research and he found her an in-network uh, counselor to talk to about to like try and work through some of her issues, some of her anxieties and stuff. They must have really good healthcare because I yeah. He mentions that they're that the counselor can come and talk to her like in her office and scheduling mental health care stuff is usually like freaking awful. See, my my interpretation of that was that there are so few people who are seeking mental and emotional help and therapy in Lima, Ohio, that they're just available all the time. (laughs) Yeah. You're not wrong. That makes an unfortunate amount of sense. Yeah. And then Will says, yes, and I also brought your shoes for you and I polished them so they're clean. They are very sparkly. They're Cinderella shoes. And this is the point in my notes in which I have here. How are there still 11 minutes left in this episode? The pacing in this episode is so bizarre because it feels like it could have ended several times and yet it keeps going. Yeah, like this is the climax. No pun intended. (laughs) 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 And then Jesse St. James walks in and he has a business opportunity he'd like to discuss with Will. (laughs) Dun dun dun. (laughs) 
dramatic reveal. Jesse St. James is transferring to McKinley. Yeah, he he says uh, that it's it's because his parents have gone. Well, where did he say his parents went to? I don't know, Fiji or something. Like it was whatever Somewhere it was. It was tropical. Dumb. They winter in Bali. That's it. Yeah, they winter in Bali. So he's living with his uncle, who is in the McKinley School District. But it also conveniently means that he can continue to date Rachel without it being a Romeo and Juliet romance. <laughs> yeah. And everyone in the Glee Club is upset about this, except for Rachel, because Finn's Finn is Finn is incensed. Finn's line is really funny. Yeah. It seems like now everybody's doing things just to hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt and Mercedes are also hurt because this reduces their chances of having any leads in any songs. And Santana also flat out says, look, we all like, I know he's a spy and I should know. Mercedes correctly calls out Schuster for only trotting her out at the end to wail on the last note. Yeah. A very self-aware moment for Ryan Murphy, I think. Yeah. And then Brittany asks if Jesse is Mr. Shoe's son. It's so good. Yeah, that was an improv. Yeah. Which is why they're all like, wait, what? <laughs> I love Britney so much. And there's there's probably at least five fanfics out there that went, hey, what if? Yeah. And the the whole thing is then that Jesse then says some bullshit lines about, oh, when you when there's someone that you want, you really have to go hard and do everything you can to be able to love them. And Rachel buys it wholesale and Will says, We can't refuse people to be on our club. We have we are barely meeting the amount that we need for for competition. This is another place in my notes where I have written evil little man next to Jesse's name. <laughs> I, I am not immune to Jonathan Groff, but Jesse is an evil little man. <laughs> <laughs> and we get another dramatic reveal of Kurt and Mercedes joining the Cheerios. Yeah, this was this was a truly great moment. This song slaps. Yeah. This is my other favorite Madonna song. Yeah, yeah. This is this is so good. Because we get to go to I'm presuming the halftime show of a basketball game. I feel like Sue Sylvester just demands that everyone form an assembly so she can show off the latest Cheerios number whenever she f- deems fit. That tracks. I mean, that that wouldn't surprise me. Um, but anyway, the marching band is here, and it is the Cheerios halftime show in accordance with the marching band. And it's four minutes with Mercedes and Kurt as lead vocalists, and it's oh, it's so good. Not to foreshadow an upcoming plot point, but I love how Mercedes looks in this, like, I guess it's the boys uniform or whatever, but she's got pants. And I really like the way that she and Kurt are both wearing it because I feel like it does a good job of, like, distinguishing them from, like, the the actual cheerleaders. That's true. That's true. I feel like it's a really good look. There's some very good, like, audience, like, Focus, focusing on the Glee people in the audience, because we get to see Will and Emma, who are sitting there stunned as this happens. Um, and Santana and Brittany are dancing back up for Kurt and Mercedes. Um, Jesse and Rachel are also there. And 
as this happens, Jesse is just like, huh, okay, I guess that's fine. And then we have, we also see in the shot, Jacob Ben Israel, who, who tries to hold a recorder up to Rachel, I'm assuming to ask her for a quote, and she mouths, not now, and then pushes the recorder away. Yep. And also, and also we get to see Quinn and Tina in the crowd shots, and they're, they're there, and they're very excited that Kurt and Mercedes are getting to do this with Cheerios, because this number is phenomenal! I had to go back and watch it again, because it was so good. It slaps so hard. It's so good. Oh, yeah. It does bug me that, okay, so they, they cut out the extraneous, like, dance break at the end of the original, but that does mean that the song Four Minutes is now only three minutes long. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so Will's mad. Will Big Mad. <laughs> uh, he, he tells them that they could have given him a heads up, and uh, they say, Mercedes says, you mean the way that you give us a heads up when you don't give us a solo every week? Which, get his ass, girl. Like, oh yeah. Call his ass out. <laughs> Roast him. And then Sue makes another hair joke because she has renewed her vendetta against Will Schuster's hair in particular. <laughs> anyway, it's time for Woke the Song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I need you guys to know that um, I was not familiar with this song before the Glee episode. So um, I did initially think that the spoken word section at the beginning was some Ryan Murphy nonsense <laughs> and did not realize no. that it is in fact in the Madonna song, What It Feels Like for a Girl. I can't believe yeah. Madonna wrote a new song just for Glee. <laughs> anyway it's just it's the boys and they're singing this song and will is singing along with them because Um, do you know what it feels like for a girl no do you Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's funky but it's also really heteronormative (laughs) the song is fine The the, the best part about it is that mike is just vibing so, okay, so it opens up on a, a spoken word poem about how, like, it's okay for girls to, like, look a bit more masculine because it's okay to look masculine. Girls can wear dresses or wear their hair short. Intro to feminism. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, 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 it is baby's first feminism. Like, they have a point, but it's like, you're not doing anything revolutionary by, by just saying that. But then it's like, but secretly, you'd love to know what it's like, wouldn't you? What it feels like for a girl. And then Finn sings about the silky smooth lips sweet as candy and the tight blue jeans. And it's like... (laughs) You may have missed the point there, bud. So I think multiple people miss multiple points somewhere along the lines. And that's Glee! Glee! (laughs) If you perform in a good way, it could be a really interesting song about someone realizing they're trans. Yes. Yeah. But if you perform it a, a bad way, it's very much... Which they do. It, I would say they fall somewhere in the middle, where it's just, <laughs> okay, this is happening, I guess. Yeah. Because it does very much have the feeling of, mm, you wish you were a sexy girl, don't you, you bad, bad boy? <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, Puck's transphobic joke. Yeah. Puck says some bad things because he's extremely uncomfortable with singing anything about people identifying as women actually being people with merit <laughs> and validity. I are uncomfortable when am not about me. 
Exactly, Emily. Exactly. <laughs> and then it turns out that Teeny yelled at Artie that she would that she would cut him with her growing femininity like a righteous blade of a growing feminism. I, oh, I heard I grunge hate- feminism. No, it well the the subtitles on Netflix said growing feminism. So, okay. mm-hmm. but I mean that those could be wrong. So, um, but I, God, I hate that whole bit. I hate it so much. I hate that little that line that we have that they have written for Tina and made her say with her human mouth. I hate it. Yeah, it's so bad. On the positive side. Will calls them out for objectifying women, and then later in that conversation, Finn also says, "Like, yeah, we need to stop objectifying women." Is that the right? That's the right word, right? Like, yes. <laughs> Finn learned a new word. Oh, it's cute. And then Kurt says, "As an honorary girl, I'm fine with I- that because I've been in that camp." I think it's a, a it's a little. Uh... I don't think that they would probably say that now, maybe, but it's. I think it's a cute line for 2009. Okay, then, then I retract my statement. <laughs> it's definitely telling of how Kurt feels more comfortable with the girls and with the guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's very true. So the boys go apologize. We get to see all of them apologize, and I don't have any notes about it because I don't care. I mean, it's a cute scene between Tina and Artie where Artie legitimately apologizes. Yeah, yeah. I ha- I have notes on this if we are if we want the if we want to get the run through on it. Sure. <laughs> Everyone is like, okay, we need to apologize, and Will says, I also need to apologize because I also need to learn this lesson about respect. And so Artie says, I I'm sorry. Um, you shouldn't have to change yourself unless you want to change yourself. And they have a kiss, which like, sure, I guess. Finn apologizes to Rachel. Um. Because he says, I was an ass, I really liked you, but I blew it. And Rachel says, you really liked me? And then Jesse Saint, Jesse Saint Honeypot walks in and <laughs> says, hello, Finn. If you, would, if you are interested in Rachel Barrow, you must have a sing-off duel in the parking lot at 5 p.m. And Rachel says, no. <laughs> and Finn, Finn, as is his nature, takes the high road. And says, welcome to the privileged misfits. I do think that that's a cute little moment for Finn that, like, he just reaches out his hand and is like, welcome to the club. And, you know, on the way to the auditorium, we can go over a Madonna number I've been thinking about or whatever. Yeah. And then we have a power chord that is in absolutely nowhere the same key as the instrumental version of what it feels like. Or with the next number, it's just a random jarring power chord. <laughs> and it, 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 it took me out of the episode. Because men, I guess. This is Madonna anyway. for men. <laughs> <laughs> Madonna with black packaging and it's all overlaid with like images of wood grain. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, let's bring the let's bring it to a close. They sing like a prayer. It's fine. It's a great song about oral sex. <laughs> it's yeah. not about oral sex, Quentin. It's about love. <laughs> oh wait, that's like a virgin. I uh remember the uh the bit from Boondog Saints where uh I, 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 maybe neither of you have seen this movie, but, uh, or not Boondock Saints, no. what am I talking about? Um, what it, what is the movie with the Quentin Tarantino movie where that he makes a, stu- he has a stupid joke about like a virgin. 
Uh, I don't remember and I don't care because I don't care about Quentin Tarantino. But uh, Quentin Quentin Tarantino made a a joke about like a virgin in a movie that I don't care about. And uh, Madonna personally wrote him a like message to be like, no, your joke is wrong. The song is not about tight vaginas. It's about love. (laughs) But this performance of like a virgin or like a prayer is fine. Uh, I don't really understand the aesthetic that they have going on with their outfits. Everybody's just kind of wearing a red top. It's not even red. It's burgundy. But it's fine. Curtain Mercedes are good. Yeah, I like the slumber. It's fun because um, Rachel, Finn, Curtain Mercedes get solos. And when Kurt sings his little solo, he does like little praying hands. And then as he like passes the solo off to Mercedes, he he like kisses her cheek and Amber smiles. So I have to assume it's probably improv, but it's They're super very cute. cute. And then Mercedes yeah. sings the entire gospel choir from the Aether, uh, one of whom is her mother. Yeah, the choir member who she's like particularly hanging out with. That was her mom. And in the behind the glee, Amber was like, "They asked me if I knew any gospel choirs," and like that's profiling. But <laughs> then she said, "Yeah," and my like my mom's choir came and they took very good care of her, which is good. Aw, I didn't know that. I love that. Yeah. Oh, and also, so that no one emails you about this, the movie that I was attempting to reference earlier was Reservoir Dogs, not Boondock Saints. Okay. Okay. I am not familiar with either of those. That's fine. You don't need to. Yeah. I am (laughs) (laughs) H.O. I have have two notes about this. Rachel keeps grabbing onto random choir members like, yes, look, we're all together. My note here is Leah, stop. (laughs) (laughs) And then my other number here is, remember how Mercedes said, they only bring me out to wail at the end of the song? Yes. I I regret to inform you that the Netflix Netflix subtitles say, Mercedes wails. Oh, no! 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 You had one job. Ryan Murphy had one job, and he decided that it was his job instead to try and become Madonna's next uh, video producer. Yep. (laughs) My last note for this episode just is that I can feel God in this Chili's Tonight. Can you? I can. Or can you feel the Ryan Murphy in this Chili's Tonight? Can you feel the Murph tonight? (laughs) I don't want to. (laughs) Oh my god, we're finally done. This is quite a dense episode, even though half of it is musical numbers. The, the, because just, there's just a lot to unpack. And there's so much to unpack. And you know what? I feel like I feel like we skimmed over some things that we could have started unpacking for our own safety. <laughs> yup. It's called self-care. There were, there were definitely some times where like, and here's this scene, and it's here, and it's a problem, and you know it's a problem, moving on. Yep. <sighs> so this so, was an episode of Glee. This was an episode of Glee. This is also a podcast of Glee. Since it's the end of the episode, and I started, and Emily, you are the guest, what was your favorite song in the episode? My gold star song moment is definitely the with, the, with Mercedes and Kurt and the Cheerios. Uh, I don't remember the name of the song. Four minutes. Yes. It was good. What about you, Tanner? Um, I'm actually gonna go with Open Your Heart, Mash with Borderline. Good choice, good choice. 
Um, did, I, I have I usually have a soft spot for mashups, and I think this is a very good mashup. I do love a Glee mashup. Mm-hmm. I love a good Glee mashup. Th- th- yeah, th- that's more accurate. <laughs> because if you say mashup, if you say I love a mashup, then you are including in that the thong song with I Could Have Danced All Night. And uh, <laughs> Turkey Lurkey and Let's Have a Kiki. Uh, my Gold Star song is also four minutes because it's the only reason that I rewound anything in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely valid. Emily, what's your best moment? My best moment. That's difficult because there are a lot of moments in this episode and most of them are not great. But um, I think it may be, uh, <laughs> you think this is hard. I'm passing a gallstone at this very moment. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a patented Sue Sylvester moment. <laughs> That's very true. What about you, Tanner? See, honestly, I do kind of like the scene where Tina obliterates Artie with her righteous blade of equality. (laughs) Go for it. But I I do know that, no, I know there were better moments. I'm just trying to figure out what they were. I'm trying to, like, go back through my notes and figure out, because I know I did like things in this episode. I am also going back through my notes. (laughs) Cirque du Sue? I actually didn't... (laughs) I wasn't a fan of the stilt dancing. When I pulled my hamster, I went to a misogynist. <laughs> Actually, no. My my favorite moment is Mr. Shu. Is he your son? Extremely valid. What about you, Christina? I I think I'm gonna have to give it to also Mr. Shu. Is he your son? Because it it's just so good. She's just so funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um. All right, Emily. What what was the worst moment? Um. Definitely Artie telling Tina that she needs to, like, do a do-over her whole aesthetic because he doesn't think it's hot, I guess? Like, come on, dude. Like, everybody wants a goth GF. Like, <laughs> count your blessings where you have them, sir. <laughs> and she's not even at her most, her most goth goth. That's true. She's not even reached her final form. Christina, what was your worst moment? Um, I think I'm gonna have to say that my worst was the was the whole uh like a virgin thing where it was all just a dream and also how I was intensely uncomfortable. It's bad. It felt voyeuristic. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. At least that's what it felt like for me. I recognize that my experiences are absolutely not universal. <laughs> I well I agree with you in this instance. <laughs> Um, what about you, Tanner? Okay, so here's the thing. There are many, there are many things in this episode where my reaction was, how dare you inflict this upon me? Yeah. And my most visceral reaction was when I saw Jesse on the bed with his shoes on. (laughs) That's valid. You are so valid. But in- Tanner, this is Glee. No sin is too small. But here's the thing. I think in hindsight, I am going to give it to, um- what it feels like for a girl, that scene. Because I I do definitely feel like there's a way that they could have threaded that needle where it wouldn't feel so weird. But and like yet. all the other times that we felt uncomfortable, I'm I'm confident that was their goal. Yeah. But this was the one where it's like sexism is over. Hey, actually here's a question. Could I make my worst just be how much content they tried to cram into this episode? Like pacing? I mean, I guess, yeah, but also they were like, we have to do everything in this one episode. 
We have to have Sue address her personal problems. We have to have the kids address sexism. We have to have, it's just, we have to have Rachel and Emma confront their uncomfortableness with sexuality. I'm going to make that a special, uh, a special slushy, <laughs> a special nomination for just how terrible the pacing was in this episode. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I'm done, man. I'm done. Emily, le- thank you for uh, sharing this with us. This experience. <laughs> thank, thank you for thank going you, through this experience pl- with me. <laughs> thank you for making yourself watch Glee multiple times in preparation for this episode. It's a thankless job. But somebody's got to do it. Well, it's not thankless anymore because we are thanking you. Aww. Thank you so much for having me on your Glee podcast and allowing me to talk about this show that has lived rent-free in my brain for, like, ten years. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's been rent-free in ours, too, truthfully, so. You can never leave the game. Society will never truly reconcile the fact that Glee exists. No. Never. Anyway. Emily, where, where can you be found on the internet if people so choose to seek you out? And what would you like to promote? <laughs> I have a Twitter account, which is the main place that I am on the internet. It is at mpandanata. I do a few podcasts. I have uh, a... It's a... It started out as a Revolutionary Girl Utsuna podcast and now has expanded into just being a podcast about the works of Utsuna creator Kunihiko Hikahara, and that is called Imagine Me and Utsuna. I also have a podcast called uh, The Fresh Podcast Market, a real podcast Mm -hmm. about fake podcasts Mm -hmm. where my friend Teresa and I come up with ideas for fake podcasts and try not to spend an hour talking about what TV shows we've been watching lately. And I edit a uh, – I'm a producer on a Modica Magica recap podcast called – Puella Magi Modica Magicast. Okay. <laughs> I think I, I know I've seen um I've seen Podcast Market and Imagine Me and Utana and uh the Puella Madoka across my t- across my timeline a couple times. Hell yeah. Yeah, uh Utsuna was my first podcast and I've been doing it for four years now, uh next month. Nice. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Where can people find you guys? That's a good question. Let me check. Oh, shoot. Let me check my notes. I'm, I, not used to, it's, I'm not used to being asked that on a podcast that I host. <laughs> oh, I can tell you this. Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network, and we can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice. And if we aren't there, let us know, and we'll work on getting in there. And we can be found at Loser Like Me Pod on Twitter and through LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. And so what we do to end the show is that, wait, well, you know, because you listen to us. You haven't been dragged in here kicking and screaming. <laughs> I willingly subjected myself to this. That's true, you did. Um. Anyway, oh yeah, so so next week, uh, we'll be going, where are we going next week? We're going home next week. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. Also, our first, the after three guest episodes, is the first words, just me and you, Christina. <laughs> well, I hope you'll be able to put up with me. <laughs> I'll try my best. No, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Anyways, um... And now we get to the end part where we say the thing all together. So, on the count of three. Yes. One, two, three. And, and that's, that's what, what you missed, missed on, on Glee. 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 
We can give that a second pass if you guys It'll want. It'll cut together and post, it's fine. <laughs> no, no. We well, can or we can go with that. Only one take. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now As we riff the show Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out Why we love this show Better grab your golden stars and slushies Cause you're listening You're listening To loser like me Loser like me Loser like me just, just you wait for one of our milestone episodes. I'm gonna put get all of our guests to say it again. We'll just put it all through. It's gonna break your speakers. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be good.